What up, people? Welcome to a special edition of the Salty Thoughts with Donnie Oo podcast. Featuring the one and only Donnie Oo. Best in the world of what he does. The reason I say this is a special edition, because um, if y'all haven't figured it out by now, normally I drop these podcasts on Wednesdays. Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night. On a rare occasion, I might drop it on a Thursday morning. This year, or should I say this week, I was planning on dropping it on a Thursday because we had breaking news late Wednesday night that Mickey Calloway, the manager, or should I say now, the ex-manager of the New York Mets, was fired. But this podcast, as much as I originally planned it, for it to be a, a New York Mets-centric podcast. It's not going to be talking about the Mets. It's not even going to be talking about my New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. You know, because uh, Sam Donald is still out fighting the case of Mono. Nor is it even going to be talking about the Wednesday night wrestling war between NXT and AEW. This podcast is going to be about one topic, a one topic only. So, if you're expecting or you would like to hear about basketball, football, baseball, you might as well just turn it off now because I'm not getting into none of those subjects. This subject is going to be about Kofi Kingston, the now former WWE World Heavyweight Champion. The reason why he's former is because this past Friday night on Friday Night SmackDown, who made which made his debut on the Fox Television Network, eight to ten p.m. every Friday, Kofi Kingston was scheduled to go against Brock Lesnar. For the championship. And yeah. That match did happen. The match. Was probably longer. Than the times that I drink a couple. Couple bottles of beer. And take a prolonged piss. The match was seven seconds. Seven fucking seconds. And of course. Brock Lesnar. Won. The WWE World Heavyweight Championship from Kofi Kingston. With one, I repeat, one F5. One, two, three. New champion crowned. The announcement was made. And less than 30 seconds later, they introduced pretty much his next challenger. I felt compelled to not skip my normally scheduled programming to uh, do this podcast as usual from inside of my car 
But in this case, it's actually inside of a rental because I'm on location. I'm not in New York. I'm not in New Jersey. I'm not in Connecticut. I'm not in Pennsylvania. I'm in fucking Colonial Heights, Virginia. Starting my last vacation of the year, which I came down here to see my two beloved grandchildren, one of which you will hear at the end of this podcast. The next challenger for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, if you're familiar with the MMA world, it's Cain Velasquez. Those of y'all who are all familiar with Cain Velasquez, they do know that uh, Cain Velasquez, when Brock Lesnar was still competing in the UFC, whooped Brock Lesnar's ass. So, of course, over the last couple months, Cain Velasquez has actually dipped his toe in professional wrestling. He's competed for uh, a Mexican promotion by the name of AAA. He was uh, he was actually a, a mass luchador in their big event of the year, Triple Triple Mania. As of two weeks ago, Triple A did a show at Madison Square Garden slash, I believe, the Hulu Center, and uh, there was always rumors that's going about that um he was on WWE radar. And what happened after Kofi Kingston was disposed of rather quickly? Came Velasquez came to the rescue. But not for Kofi Kingston. No, he came to the rescue for Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio this past Monday night was scheduled to go against Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. The beginning of the night, beginning of Monday Night Raw, Rey Mysterio came to the ring. To cut a promo, his 22-year-old son was sitting front row, and pretty much he was going about the business of dedicating the upcoming match to his son. When, after less than two minutes, Brock Lesnar interrupted the promo by Rey Mysterio to come and commence to whip not only... Ray Mysterio's ass, but his son Dominic's ass, and leave. So those in the know pretty much put the connected the dots and was like, you know what? Okay, you got Ray Mysterio, Mexican wrestling legend. You have his son Dominic, who is training to be a wrestler, and I'm pretty sure that he's going to debut in the WWE and both of them got their ass whooped by Brock Lesnar the common denominator is the MMA connection so those in the know kind of connected the dots was like alright Mexican legend gets, gets, gets slaughtered not only does he get slaughtered his son gets slaughtered and then the hook for this coming Friday night or should I say this past Friday night at this time, is the fact of Brock Lesnar is going to be confronted by the newly turned wrestling superstar, Cain Velasquez, and who would try to avenge Rey Mysterio's 
ass whooping. But all this comes at the expense of Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston, the originator of Kofi Mania. All the wrestling fans that are in um, in earshot of this podcast, they remember the beginning of the year. Kofi Kingston won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania, defeating Daniel Bryan. So for the last five to six months, every month on pay-per-view, Kofi Kingston has defended his WWE World Heavyweight Championship against the likes of Kevin Owens, against the likes of Dolph Ziggler, and most recently against the likes of Randy Orton. And he, be- and he came out victorious in all of the matches. But, but, this is the most important part. Even though he was the world, WWE World Heavyweight Champion, he was never really treated as such. But, and here I, am go- here I go again uh, contradicting myself, he won all his matches, Decisively. He hit the trouble in paradise. One, two, three. Retain the WWE Championship. And this rant that I'm going on. Is not so much of the fact of. Kofi Kingston lost the championship. It's the fact of how. He lost the championship. And I will get into that. In a very few short moments. Seven fucking seconds. Seven fucking seconds. It's just boggling my mind. Normally, I watch all these shits. Especially debut episodes. I've watched AEW. Debuted this last Wednesday night. Oh, it's alright. I watched NXT go live for the third for the third week in a row. But their first week going head-to-head against AEW. Actually didn't get a chance to see that yet. It's the fact that Kofi Kingston lost in seven fucking seconds. Kofi Mania took over the lead up to this past year's WrestleMania 35, which was ta- which which uh which took place at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, in the shadow of New York. Like I said, he's he he defended China for six months. Now, throughout those six months, there was warning signs. There was warning signs that any educated wrestling fan picked up on immediately. He still never really had any character development. Matter of fact, let me backtrack and give you all the behind-the-scenes view. Kofi Kingston was never intended on receiving the spot that he ultimately received. Leading up to WrestleMania, this past February, during the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, he was inserted into into the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view in the Elimination Chamber match due to an injury by Mustafa Ali. Ironically, another minority, a Middle Eastern descent. 
They put Kofi Kingston in there pretty much just to be a worker bee. Do a little spots. Get the crowd into it. And ultimately be defeated. But the groundswell of support that Kofi Kingston garnered throughout his quest to finally get a one-on-one match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship was so phenomenal that WWE, the, 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 the decision makers, couldn't ignore it. So they pretty much built the storyline about Kofi Kingston. He's been into the co- he's been in the company for the last thirteen years. It's been eleven years since he actually had a world heavyweight championship one on one match. Matter of fact, he never had a one on one match. Every time that he actually had a title match was always in like a gauntlet type of deal or a six uh, a six person a six person. Uh, what the hell, whatever the fuck they call it, type of deal, pretty much, or an Elimination Chamber match, where he's one of many. So finally, they was, they was forced to make their focus singular and give him the spotlight, spotlight that he truly deserved. Now, I personally didn't think that he was going to win the championship, but... The momentum was so strong, they had no choice but to put the belt on them. And, being the fact that they really are not that behind, that much behind Daniel Bryan in that particular slot, it was easier for them to transition it over to Kofi. But like I said, there was warning signs all throughout his five to six month reign as champion. First and foremost... First and foremost was the fact that, like I said, they never developed his character. He was still the same Kofi Kingston, one-third of the New Day. His first challenger was for Ke- was Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens took about five to s- four to five months off because he had various injuries that he needed to recuperate from. And leading up to his return, they have vignettes that he pretty much was changing his character into more of a common man character, into a more of a Steve Austin-esque character. So he was already always planned on coming back as a face. And Lehman's turn as a good guy. Kofi Kingston's momentum kind of put that to the side. So his first challenger was Kofi Kingston uh was Kevin Owens. And they made um they manufactured a feud between the two that um Big E, another another third of the New Day, had actually re- um had a knee injury that required um a minor surgery, a minor procedure. So they kind of inserted Kevin Owens into Big E's slot. And then of course dissension was in the ranks, and Kevin Owens ultimately turned on Kofi Kingston because his Rationale was the spot that you have was supposed to be mine, and now I'm coming back to reclaim it. So that and not only which goes so not only did they 
start Kofi Kingston off with a with a feud against somebody who was actually miscast in what he was originally intended on being. They also framed Kofi Kingston as someone who received the opportunity that they didn't necessarily necessarily deserve. What people don't realize from the outside world is the reason why there was so much momentum. Because I, I even believe that over these last 16 minutes that I've been recording, that I neglected to let the layman fan know that um, Kofi Kingston was the first African-American wrestling champion in the WWE that actually won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship since The Rock. You know how long The Rock has been out of wrestling on a full-time basis? The Rock hasn't wrestled full-time in 15 fucking years. His last full-time match was WrestleMania 20, 2004. Now, people who are in tune with the wrestling world will probably say, Yo, Donnie. Or AKA, Yo, Mike. Yo, you forgetting about Booker T? Uh-uh-uh. I ain't forget about Booker T. Booker T is a six-time, 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 six-time world champion. But do you know or do you remember what champion he what championship he actually won while he was a part of the WWE? It wasn't a championship with the WWE brand on it. It was the World Heavyweight Championship, which was a carryover from the WCW years. See, the World Heavyweight Championship back then was a world championship in name only. It was a championship that the company would give a wrestler that had a certain about a certain amount of notoriety, but they really didn't want to go 150% and push him or push that particular individual. So, they would give them the world heavyweight championship. Meanwhile, the quote-unquote real stars of the brand, of the company, received shots and even occasionally won the WWE championship. So, I say all that to say this. So, Kofi Kingston won the championship at WrestleMania. His first feud was against Kevin Owens. And he successfully defended his championship. His next contender was uh, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler, who uh, pretty much disappeared from the face of the earth six months prior. And they kind of coaxed him to come back off his sabbatical because Kevin Owens actually had some morals. WWE, two times a year, have pay-per-view slash network specials that um, 
that originate from Saudi Arabia. Anybody's up on current events, they know how controversial Saudi Arabia is at this per, at this particular time. Kevin Owens, being the fact that he's one of his best friends, not only in the wrestling world but in the real world, was Sammy Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is of Syrian descent. Syria is an enemy of Saudi Arabia. So, to actually take up for his friend, he chose to decline the opportunity to go to Saudi Arabia for this particular pay-per-view slash WWE Network special. So now, they're in a bind. Who are we going to get to go against Kofi Kingston? You know what? Dolph, you want this extra bread? You don't, Do you mind going to Saudi Arabia? Dolph was like, nah, not really. I'll, I'll, I'll go. So they plugged Dolph in. And for two consecutive months, Dolph Ziggler, to me, kind of pulled down Kofi Kingston's prestige as champion. But, nevertheless, Kofi Kingston prevailed. Kofi Kingston prevailed. Now, his next feud was leading into this past August's SummerSlam pay-per-view. Now, this is where it started getting interesting. His next challenger was Randy Orton, the Viper, the third-generation wrestler. The man who, like I said, behind the scenes, I'm going to pull the curtain back, is notorious for about 10 years ago when uh, when WWE was hiring all these models and, and uh, fitness models to join the company. Randy Orton commenced to uh, let them know that y'all had to, they had to pull their rate. weight. He used to go into their, their travel bag and take a shit. In the bag. And then I'll stand there with his uh, grin and look at the female that he did that to. Gasping horror of what happened. This was the next challenger for our beloved Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston uh, dispatched of Randy Orton at WrestleMania due to, I believe, um... With, yeah, he got disqualified because uh, Randy Orton went over to Kofi's camp family while he actually had the upper hand. He was rubbing in a little too much. Kofi saw that. Like, look, if you're going which court, you're going to fight me man-to-man? All right. If you beat me man-to-man, all right, I can accept that. But you're not going to go over to my wife and kids and, t- and, and let my wife and kids let, let them know, yo, you see your pops right there? Yeah, I'm about to fuck him up. Yeah, you know, this, this, is, this is the man you look at? So Kofi Kingston snapped. Whooped Randy Orton's ass, got disqualified. They had to rematch this past month in September, um, Night of Champions, or Class of the Champions. And he beat him decisively with the trouble in paradise. One, two, three. And that brings us to now. Now... People in the know, i.e. the dirt sheets, pretty much 
figured out or, 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 or predicted that, um, darn, what's the one thing that WWE can do on their premiere night on the Fox Network that would, uh, spark a buzz? Yeah, you guessed it. Brock Lesnar winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And um, unfortunately, Kofi Kingston was the holder of said championship. Kofi Kingston, leading up to this premiere episode, was doing his media run. I caught him on first and first. With uh, Chris, Chris Carter and the boys and female. And um, he actually did a great account. He, he had, actually had a, did, a, did a great accounting of himself. Um, Chris Carter asked him a couple questions. I believe that Kofi Kingston really probably wasn't expecting the questions that he got pertaining to uh, the Friday Night Smackdown match. Because uh, undercover, I believe, just by the question that Chris Carter uh, presented to Kofi Kingston, he's more of a fan than he probably lets on. And Kofi Kingston did maneuver around that that question and gave an answer without giving an answer. He gave, uh, you know, pretty much, yeah, you know, I'm the champion. I've been the champion for six months. This is another obstacle, but for the last 11 years, I've been overcoming all obstacles. And Brock Lesnar, even though he's a big obstacle, he will be another one that I overcome. What a lot of the main public, the mainstream public, fail to realize is the fact of Kofi Kingston winning the championship was more of a culmination. Of um, the African American community that follows wrestling, particularly WWE, frustration. That's why, and that's how, he garnered so much momentum leading up to WrestleMania this past year. We looked at that and we were like, you know what, WWE? Even though for the majority of our time as being fans to your company, of your company, you listened. You finally listened to the fans and gave an opportunity to one of our own. To one of the wrestlers that looked, talked, and acted like we do. And I was telling my son, I was telling my telling my one of my sons this. Maybe about two months ago. It was one of those things of normally when the company feels that they have to get behind, they have to push somebody that they don't they didn't particular particularly think of or dream of pushing, and the groundswell is so much. That when they finally give them the opportunity, they give them the opportunity and maybe a day, a week, a month later, 
They snatched the opportunity away from them. In this particular occasion, being the fact there was such a groundswell from the African American community that we was rejoicing that we finally had one of our own, that they were finally acknowledging one of our own as a t- one of the top guys in their company that um they had to stray from their norm. And like I said, which would be snatching the opportunity away at the quickest possible time. But they realized that if a month month and a half went by and they took the took the belt off Kofi there were going to be a severe backlash from the African American community. So they let him rock. I'm quite sure they did been itching to pull the trigger on this on this on this title change for months. But look at the optics. You have Kofi Kingston from Ghana, West Africa. Holding the championship. And then for a lack of a better term, you have the big, white, Aryan fighter, destroyer, which is Brock Brock Lesnar. They didn't feel like that um, they could use him to take the championship off him. Not quite yet. But everybody knew that uh, once they went on Fox, and being the fact that the Fox Network wants to position WWE Friday Night Smackdown as more of a sports-centric vehicle, Who on the roster has more real sports credibility than Brock Lesnar, a.k.a. former UFC heavyweight champion of the world? So anybody pretty much knew that when they debuted this past Friday night, and especially being the fact that Brock Lesnar pretty much was directionless, that they were going to put that belt on them. But like I said in the beginning of this podcast, it wasn't so much that Kofi lost, but it was the fact it was seven fucking seconds. And he got pinned with one finishing maneuver. One F5. And now, let me contrast that with what's happened over this past summer. Seth Rollins, holder of the Universal Championship, which he also won at WrestleMania. And guess who he won it from? Brock fucking Lesnar. Brock fucking Lesnar. Not only did he beat Brock Lesnar in the middle of the ring, one, two, fucking three, he endured two, maybe three F5s on the floor, on the arena floor, various chair shots, various German suplexes, and he still walked out of WrestleMania 35 as a champion. 
Then we fast forward to this past July. WWE Extreme Rules. Brock Lesnar at Money in the Bank won the Money in the Bank briefcase. Which, once again, for layman people, the Money in the Bank briefcase is a gimmick that WWE comes up with every year that you have a ladder match. The winner of the ladder match retrieves the briefcase for the Money in the Bank briefcase, which entitles you to cash in said briefcase. And you have to cash it in within one year of you receiving the briefcase. So, Brock Lesnar enters himself into that match. I'll be at the end where he really didn't have to do no fucking work. And he ca- and he, and he gone to the briefcase. Then he cashes in the next month against Seth Rollins. After Seth Rollins had endured a fucking mixed tag match with him and Becky Lynch against um, Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. And he lost. All right, you know, Brock Lesnar comes in. You you know you don't finish wrestling twenty minutes. He comes in, boom boom boom, champion. Fine. So then we fast forward to the next month in SummerSlam, where there's an official match between him and Seth Rollins, and uh, he commences to lose to Seth Rollins for a second time. A second time within four months. This match lasted maybe about seven to ten minutes, but it was action packed. Seth Rollins not only recovered from one F5, not only recovered from two F5s, he recovered from three or four F5s. Various German suplexes and just other domination. He gained an upper hand and he won the Universal Championship. Now, if you reverse that match, or should I say you in, you take out Seth Rollins and you insert Kofi Kingston and it goes the same exact way, but Kofi Kingston loses at the end instead of winning at the end like Seth, um, like Seth Rollins, I really doubt there would be so much of a backlash. But it's the, ba- it's the fact of how they conveniently the snap of a finger brushed the last six months of Kofi Kingston's reign under the rug to introduce the new challenger which is Cain Velasquez. And even in the pipeline because because Fox Net, the Fox Network wants to wants Smackdown to be a sports centric show a real sports feeling show in the pipeline you have Daniel Cormier of UFC fame. Who's pretty much probably going to be next after Cain Velasquez. So where does this leave Kofi Kingston? Does he stay on SmackDown? Does he stay with the New Day? Does he get drafted to WWE Raw? Who knows? But they did the transition within two minutes of... All right, Kofi lost. Get the fuck out of here. Kofi Kofi Kingston rolled out the ring. Cain Velasquez debuted. And we're off to the races. Now, 
Brock Lesnar is paid between a half a million dollars and three quarters of a million dollars per appearance. Not per year, not per match, not per pay-per-view, per appearance. In the last year and change, and I really, I didn't want to bring the racial aspect, but it's a clear as day. In the last year, in the last 11 months, Brock Lesnar has faced Daniel Bryan. Match went about 10 to 12 minutes. And that was this past year, uh, last year's Survivor Series. This past January, Roy Rumble, Brock Lesnar faced Finn Balor, who has been buried beyond um, belief for the last year. That match went about 10 to 12 minutes. If we even go back further than that, AJ fucking Styles, Survivor Series 2017, they had a Back and forth match for about 10 to 12 minutes. Brock Lesnar won. But at least within within 10 to 12 minutes. Not seven fucking seconds. Not seven fucking seconds. Not only that, all the other challenges that I just mentioned, Daniel Bryan, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, it took them, it took Brock Lesnar multiple F5 maneuvers. It took him multiple German suplexes to dispose of his challenges, who actually ended up being a fair persuasion. Kofi Kingston, seven fucking seconds, one F5. It was enough that I haven't even watched the full SmackDown show. Being the fact that I was on the road, traveling down to Colonial Heights, Virginia. You know where I, how, I, how, I saw the, how I saw the match? I was browsing YouTube. No matter of fact, I was browsing Twitter. And there was a clip. That's how I saw it. The full match. Beginning to end. In a 7 second, 7 to 10 second clip. This goes back to, or as a matter of fact, let me let me rewind back a little bit when I when I was talking about the red flags. The red flags were the fact that, like I said, he never had any character development. He was never really treated as a real serious world champion. He still is with his boys, the New Day, Xavier and Big E, which I actually give them credit because. If he would have left, that would have kind of um, portrayed the crabs in the barrel mentality that so many outsiders perceive the African-American community to have. So he stayed with his boys. But he was still the Kofi Kingston of the Bootios, the pancake thrower. I mean, dude even had pancakes hidden behind the belt so he could throw them out to the crowd. I feel like if they wanted him to be serious, and I've said, and I believe I said this on my um, on my wrestling podcast 
um, this summer. They wanted him to be serious. They should have tweaked his character to be a serious character. But yet, he was rearing the WWE Championship belt. And he had like a stack of pancakes behind the, behind the belt so he could throw it out to the fans. Fucking ridiculous. Now, normally, the wrestling media, or should I say uh, the WWE entity, would tell the fan base, whoa, 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 we're in the business of telling stories. All our stories usually end with a happy ending. So, this is just part of the journey. Be patient. It's, everything is not what it seems to be. Trust me. We're going to make sure that Kofi's alright. Bullshit. At this, in this day and age, especially being the fact that this past Wednesday, like I've, like I've said before and I'll say it again, they have a new competitor in town, which is AEW. AE fucking W. AEW Wrestling, the company that um, that fortunately one of his one of their uh, main talking points is the fact of inclusion, diversity. We are going to cater to everyone, but while we cater to everyone, we're going to make sure. Everyone is presented. Everyone is spoken for. I mean, they have a woman's division. And one of the top pushed wrestlers in their woman division is transgender, not a rose. What the CEO, one of the CEOs of the company is an African-American woman by the name of Brandy Rhodes. Wife of Cody Rhodes. Son of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to get into that. But does bring to mind that the fact of throughout the history of wrestling African Americans have always been used for street cred but African Americans have always been presented as the lowest common denominator like I've said before years ago you had crime time the fuck you gonna have a black tag team by the name of Crime Time, whose gimmick was the fact of they're gonna steal your shit. Now they've gotten better over time because now they have a African American tag team by the name of the Street Profits. Once again, their title kind of says it all, but they are being betrayed in a better light. I mean. We could all we could go back 18 years ago when Booker T, the six-time world heavyweight champion, that is Booker T, was in a feud 
with The Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson. And one of the talking points that Dwayne Johnson had was pretty much how stupid and uneducated that Booker T was. Pretty much told Booker T, yo, when you was in school, I bet you, you I, I bet you used to ride the short yellow bus. You know Booker. He <laughs> he. If you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, go on YouTube, go in the search, uh, the search category, and search Booker T Rock Promo for 2001 leading up to Unforgiven. And you'll see exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. And their whole claim to fame is the fact of, no, you know, we're diverse. You know, we give opportunities to everyone. Look, one of our biggest stars ever was The Rock. But they never proclaimed The Rock as being African-American. They pretty much used to uh, harp on the fact of his Samoan heritage. His Samoan bloodline. His Samoan family. Never once did they say, you know what? This is the first African-American champion that this company has ever had. Like I said, my main problem wasn't so wasn't so much the fact of Kofi lost. In the wrestling business, you win the title to eventually lose it. And hopefully along the way, you actually make the company money. But eventually you're going to lose it. Now, depending on how much money that uh, you made the company, they might give you that opportunity again. My main, my main problem is the fact of Kofi Kingston lost in seven seconds when you have a past history that um, other competitors, like I said, the fairer persuasion was given much more of an opportunity to show what they can do and show how much that they can garner the fan support that the company so desperately craves. All day, today, Saturday, October 5th, 2019, on all media, uh, social media outlets, there was a hashtag that was number one world. Wide. You know what that hashtag was? Thank you, Kofi. Thank you, Kofi. All of the African Americans that are in the wrestling business and or follow the wrestling business saw what last night truly was. And they wanted to express their gratitude for Kofi Kingston carrying that championship with pride, keeping the prestige up, and ultimately being a company man. And being the fact that he is such a company man, then that we don't expect him to make much of a fuss, pitch a bitch, and be outright Destroyed over what happened. So, 
we the community, have done it for him. Various wrestlers from different companies have expressed their outrage and 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 which go ahead and realize how much how bullshit what happened last night truly was. And we all have the doubt planted in our mind, body, and soul that that'll probably be the last time Kofi Kingston gets sniff of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. If they draft him over to Raw, I doubt he's going to become the Universal Champion. And tell you the truth, I doubt they they draft him to Raw. I, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to keep him on SmackDown because they need that demographic. Also, the New Day are probably like top three in merchandise sales. So they ain't, they, they ain't giving up the, gold, the Golden Goose that easily. But we, the community, feel that it's incumbent on us to express our displeasure and our outrage over this company that takes us for granted. And during this new era, or should I say, matter of fact, I said era, era of the wrestling wars that they actually have an alternative, which is AEW, I believe we need to let them know, get right or get wrong, because there's an alternative that'll suit our needs quite fine. Now, I've always had the inclination of, darn, you know, at the end of the day, WWE is kind of fucked up. I've been a fan so long, I just roll with the punches. But when something like this is so egregious, and you can kind of see through it, you can see all the bullshit, and see for what it, what it, what it was, or what it is, you got to call them out on the carpet, and have them explain to us, what the fuck was this about? We spend money just like everybody else. I'm not saying they need to be hostage of the moment. But they need to take an account of how how much we are truly a difference maker. In their ultimate bottom line. But um, I believe that's too much to expect from a company that... um welcomes Hulk Hogan back with open arms after the outright disgusting shit that came out his fucking hole in his past about what he said about African Americans being the fact that one of them was dating his daughter, a.k.a. fucking his daughter. And they got him on recording talking to his son that was in jail talking about You know, those people. These niggas. We need to hold them accountable. I need to hold myself to a higher standard and hold them accountable with my dollar. There's alternatives out there. We got AW. 
If you feel like staying up overnight on a Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, you got New Japan Pro Wrestling. We have options. And the only way we could speak is to speak with the almighty dollar. Because unfortunately, the, the, mighty, the almighty dollar is the bottom line in this world that we live in. Now, I'm not calling for a boycott because I don't even know if I'm going to boycott. But we need, we need to express our disgust and what we see is happening and make them accountable to us for a change instead of us just rolling with the punches and just taking everything that they dish out. I kind of got way off topic because I had more of a pointed rant. But, like I said, I'm on vacation. So, um, my mind is elsewhere. And like I said, I was actually going to skip this week and just uh, make it up with a double episode next week or something. Even though I I am going to still be on vacation on Wednesday. But, um... I really wasn't planning on um, making a podcast when I was actually out of state. But if I'm going to have this platform, then um, I need to embrace that responsibility and do things that um, are kind of out of the norm. So here it is. Next week... I'll get back to my regularly scheduled program. And um, I will talk more in depth about whatever I feel like talking about. No, let me stop. I will talk more in depth about um, the Mickey Calloway situation and maybe we'll have more of a line on the potential candidates that they have for the managerial seat. I will talk about this past, um, or should I say, this upcoming week's NFL schedule featuring my J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets against the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, maybe I'll get into some NBA preseason. I doubt it, because preseason ain't shit. But um, maybe I'll do that. And, uh... Maybe I'll just uh, drown my sorrows in this um, in this Hennessy that I have in the sifter that I've been sipping on over the last forty five minutes. So, yeah, I think that's probably what I'll do. But um, as always, I appreciate everybody for their patience. I appreciate everybody for picking me to be one of the podcasts that they choose to listen to. I love y'all for that. I truly do. Y'all have no idea how much I do love y'all for that. And um, I guess I'll see y'all next week. So, as always, good night. And goodbye. Bang! Bye.